to Shall We Read a Poem? I'm Russ. And I'm Lauren. Lauren, we are recording early this week. Why are we recording early this week? Oh, because I'm going mushroom hunting on Saturday instead. (laughs) For those of you not in the know, this is the most Lauren reason to be recording early. Well, I mean, sometimes I've missed recordings for like causing shit with Nazis, and that's also pretty Lauren. That is also pretty Lauren. What sorts of mushrooms are you hunting? Uh, mostly chanterelles and bolites. There might be some herisium and matsutake, but it's a bit early for that. And all these just grow wild. Yes. <sighs> the world is a terrifying place, and I know so little of it. I could show you. <laughs> I can show you the world. I can show you the shrooms. Shining, shimmering fungi. <laughs> Some fungi do glow in the dark. <laughs> we don't generally eat those, or do we? No, we generally don't. No. Well, what are we talking about today? Okay, I'm going to do the little blue engine. <laughs> All right. Um, the little blue engine looked up at the hill. His light was weak, his whistle was shrill. He was tired and small, and the hill was tall, and his face blushed red as he softly said, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. So he started up with a chug and a strain, and he puffed and pulled with might and main, and slowly he climbed a foot at a time, And his engine coughed as he whispered soft, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. With a squeak and a creak, and a toot and a sigh, with an extra hope and an extra try, he would not stop. Now he neared the top, and strong and proud, he cried out loud, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. He was almost there when crash, smash, Bash! He slid down and mashed into engine hash on the rocks below, which goes to show if the track is tough and the hill is rough, thinking you can just ain't enough. I have to say, I I have danced around this poem more than one time. It's one of my absolute favorites, but are we both just dark people? Yes. (laughs) Ah... Sisyphusian dreams. (laughs) To die on the way down. I suppose it would be the Sisyphean dream, wouldn't it? Mm, Well, yeah, Sisyphus might like that. (laughs) Better than rolling the rock up the hill over and over. Do I get crushed this time or do I get to do it all over again? Well, why have we chosen this poor little engine? Well, I don't know. I, (laughs) I hate feeling like a failure. And I have been very unemployed, very underemployed for a while now. Okay. And I just got laid off from the little employment I had. And I've been trying oh, to find no. another job, a full-time job for over a year now. And that's real embarrassing. Oh, dear. Yeah. I'm admitting this to anybody on the internet who listens. In any case... They're all, you know, all the follow your dreams bullshit and the you can do anything that, you know, they try to teach you. And since I think it was, okay, so the little engine that could, uh, which Shell's poem alludes to, 
uh, was written, well, it became widely known in the United States after publication in 1930 by Platt and Monk, which means the story may have been around for a while longer than that. Sure. But it's, you know, the story of you can do anything you want if you put your mind to it and work very hard, which is a gloriously capitalist lie. Very. Yeah. Keep you keep you working even though you're getting nowhere, because if you just tried a little bit harder, you would be successful. And here's the thing about, you know, thinking you can do anything you want, or even just that, like, things will get better. If what you want or things getting better is dependent upon another person, there is no guarantee. And no matter how you try, so long as the other person doesn't say yes, it doesn't matter. You won't succeed. And that is the case in, you know, relationships or, you know, if hoping hoping for love and partnership or when if it just comes to like an employee situation, employer situation, unless the other person says yes, no matter what you do, you are not going to succeed. So it can be possible to have everything in your favor and not get it. There's a few parts of what you're saying that I find interesting. Hmm. With good reason. It sounded like you predicated the notion of being a failure with getting laid off from a job. No, it's uh, it's the the trying and trying and not getting it. And the capitalist dream that you just described is very real, and it also relies on someone hiring you and having a boss. Right. This isn't meant to sound like the self-made person story, but it is a false dichotomy because you can, with difficulty, work for yourself. Right, right. But in for my case, this is not... That is perfectly true for, for someone whose definition of success is working for yourself that way. I mean, in, but in, even in that, you still need people to say yes. You need people to buy things from you or book your services or whatever. But for me, I do not particularly like being self-employed. Russ, why it makes you like this poem so much? Only because it's... <laughs> this is going to be a very nerdy statement, but because it confirms what Yoda told us. Hmm. Do or do yeah, not, I, there is no try. I mean, yeah, I know that, but that's that's what it is. It's just Yoda. And the fact that it's it's kind of the same reason that Pixar movies work. Mm. Because very seldom do Pixar movie characters succeed in what they were trying for. Mm-hmm. So it's like in Up, Carl and Ellie wanted to go to, you know, that one... Uh, I don't know. They, they wanted to take that vacation. Right. And then Ellie died, and Carl had to have his own adventure. And he did, and it was a wonderful adventure, but it wasn't what he set out to do. Right. And in oh, Monsters University, they want to get into Monsters Incorporated, and they flunk out. And it's the idea that someone can succeed even through be, being a failure. The dream doesn't have to come true. Because, I mean, at what point in life have dreams ever completely come true? Yeah. I know one person from my school days that absolutely knew what they wanted to do and followed through on that dream, and they are the most miserable person I have ever heard from in my entire life. It was a friend of mine, and I won't name names, from elementary school, and they wanted to be a doctor. 
and they knew they wanted to be a doctor in elementary school. And they got good grades and did everything you're supposed to and went to medical school and graduated and became a doctor. And now they wish they had done anything but. So in the little engine that could, it's not really clear why that the engine needs to step up and take this load. That sounds kind of dirty. We're uh, leaving but, that in. And then uh, all the other engines, <laughs> like the, the engine that was supposed to take it, like breaks down and all the other engines are like i can't it's too big and <laughs> we're just we're we'll dig our way out uh, and the little engine then could is like i think i can but it's not clear why this engine needs to spend itself so dearly to take this this shipment like it's not like it's bringing medicine for children or anything as far as we know it's it's just like Oh, commerce must go on. I'll take it. I'll take it for the team. We can't make it like Yukon Dan, Ranger of the North, and he has to get the serum over the hill before the snowfall? I mean, that's what I was thinking about, but no. It's just that, you know, (laughs) capitalism must go on. I must take this giant thing up this hill. I don't know. Are we still doing phrasing? I don't know. Am I? I didn't think that was particularly interesting either in a dirty way or like at all. (laughs) I wish I had words of encouragement that weren't a platitude. Yeah, that's all there is though is platitudes and and it's okay. And it's not like everything is terrible. Well, I mean, everything is terrible, but it's not like... (laughs) It's not like I'm doomed or anything. Like I'm financially okay because my dad died. Yeah. Um, this is, this is an omni shambles. <laughs> Let's move on from me. So the good news is I wanted to go conspiracy theory QAnon again. And once again, I didn't because I had no idea what was coming down the pike. So mm-hmm. I'm glad I didn't. And I have nothing but ridiculous things to say. Oh, fun. So I am doing the planet of Mars. On the planet of Mars, they have clothes just like ours. And they have the same shoes and same laces. And they have the same charms and same graces. And they have the same heads and same faces. But not in the very same places. And, of course, the illustration is a man uh, and he has no head coming out of his torso. However, he does have a head coming out of his bum. <laughs> it's like the headless horseman, but how would somebody with a head out of their bum like ride a horse? Well, we don't know what the horses on Mars look like. Fair. Ooh. And yes, I am not arguing for life on Mars. We have no definitive proof of, you know, anything above possibly multi- uh, single-celled life. Yeah. I was, however, wanting to talk about oddities of the space program. Okay, Russ, take us for a ride to space. (laughs) I certainly will. And my favorite is what I have termed the corpse wiggler. Excuse me? So, NASA posited a hypothetical situation. If an astronaut were to die in space and need to be returned to planet Earth in any kind of condition, how would they handle this? Well, the sensible person, or the pragmatic person, would say that you simply throw them out the window. 
because space is cold and eventually they will just fall back into the atmosphere. Job done, right? Well, it turns out that throwing a body out into space counts as some sort of atmospheric littering. Oh, don't tell Bezos. And you're not allowed to just throw bodies out of a spacecraft. And so NASA, in 2005, commissioned a study. And the study was sent out to any number of scientific bodies. And the question was, how could we deal with a corpse in space if we couldn't just chuck it out the window? And maybe this was a long space flight and someone had died right at the outset and then you've got a rotting corpse in a space capsule and that doesn't play well with anything. And so we had a wonderful, wonderful solution. This solution was posited by a Swedish company called Promessa in 2005. The name that they gave this product was the Body Back. The what? The body back. Body back. back. Like bringing the body back. As in you could return a body. Right. And I'm going to summarize it in my own words, and then I'm going to quote from Slate. So space is cold, as we had mentioned, and so freezing a body is not that big of a challenge, because you can just sort of hold it outside. But then you have an ice cube floating around the whatever capsule you're in. And so... <laughs> They decided to reduce it to a constituent powder. Hmm. Quoting, The body back makes use of a process called promeshin, an ecologically friendly method of burial developed by biologist Suzanne Wee-Masak, who founded Promessa in 2001 to capitalize on her idea. The promotion process was slightly modified for the body back to meet the requirements of space travel, but the core ideas remain the same. First, a body is placed in an airtight bag and exposed to the freezing temperatures of space. On Earth, freezing a corpse is accomplished by placing the body in liquid nitrogen at a temperature of about negative 200 degrees Celsius. After an hour in the vacuum of space, the now frozen body is brought back into the cabin from the airlock and vibrated at a high frequency, effectively shattering it and reducing it to a fine powder. This powder is dehydrated, resulting in roughly 50 pounds of body dust. This dust is then stored in a container outside the craft until it is time to re-enter Earth's atmosphere, at which point it is retrieved and stored in the cabin for the few minutes it will take to descend to the Earth's surface from space. That's pretty fascinating. And pretty clever. And so Reddit took this idea, and we ended up with a wonderful single phrase. Naughty astronauts get put in the corpse wiggler. <laughs> uh, my sister used to uh, do some boating work in the far south. And we're talking about the far south of the southern hemisphere. And one of the requirements for being able to take journeys into the Antarctic Circle is cold storage for, for a body. Mm. Do you have details? Let me look them up. <laughs> you know, I'm having a hard time finding it. I mean, I assume that's true. It sounds like a reasonable requirement, but I'm not. I'm having a hard time looking it up. Maybe I'm not looking up the right search terms. Right now, I'm like, Antarctic required body cold storage boat. Do you know what sort of boat she was on? I know it both had a motor and could sail. 
<laughs> Both ideal things for a boat. One would think, I mean, absent burial at sea, I suppose if the vessel were large enough and had freezers, you could just chuck them in that. I mean, usually they do. I don't know. this. It's interesting how little I know about dealing with dead bodies. Like, from my time in the hospital, I got to see plenty of corpses get carted away, but, you know, what became of them after that is mysterious. I always said I wanted to be cremated, just because it seems easier. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would want, too. But now they can do fun stuff with your ashes, you know, like plant, turn you into a tree or a diamond. Wow. So I'm trying to find out whether I can find the actual mortuary. I'm learning it might be called mortuary storage. And, you know, some popular, you know, coolers that you might bring on a camping trip. Some of them also make body storage coolers. Doesn't Costco sell coffins? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, everybody's into the everything business now. Yeah. If you can't hustle death, then who can you hustle? (sighs) I'm just grumpy. All I really want to do is, is grump around like... Do some hate watching of Lula Rich and crochet a hat. What is Lula Rich? It is a documentary on the LuLaRoe company. And I am very much in the mood to watch something where I can just hate people. What is LuLaRoe? Oh, uh, they're an MLM leggings company. Not related to Lululemon in any way. No, they're two different companies. I'm actually wearing LuLaRoe right now. I never bought any, but I got some for free. Probably out of a free box. Maybe a naked lady party. <laughs> and and what is a naked lady party? It is a party where people bring the clothes that they don't want anymore to exchange. Sometimes it is limited to uh, women. Sometimes it is limit. Sometimes it's limited to femmes. Sometimes everybody's allowed. But there is usually, like, a fair amount of being in your underwear involved. I could do with a practical dress. You could. Something with pockets. Right. Well, I don't have a whole lot of, like, stuff I could give you because my body is completely different from yours. (laughs) I'm some large barbarian-looking lady. And I am the wizened old sage standing in the corner prophesizing. Yeah. They don't share clothes, unless it's like magic armor or something that can like change sizes. But wizards don't really wear armor. Answer me these questions, crush! <laughs> I'd like to go into a rage. Mm-hmm.